You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 106 of Teach Better Talk. I'm Ray Hewart, and as always, I'm with my geeky friend, Jeff Gargas. Geeky. You're very geeky. All right, I'll take it. You know, I create a lot of visuals for our listeners and how they can picture you, like with the stopwatch and your sweatband down there during <laughs> in your basement during question six. But yeah. I really want them to picture like, Jeff at his computer screen with the glasses and the tape. Like, I think you're geeky. Oh, I have tape on my glasses. Well, that's what makes you geeky. Have you never done a geeky Halloween costume before? Yeah, I I don't think it's, you know, anymore though. Like, geeky's kind of cool. I mean, the Big Bang Theory, like, changed all that. Jeff, don't turn this into a conversation about how cool you are. Essentially, you're telling me that I'm cool. That's not at all what happened. That's what I'm hearing right now. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure anyone who's listening is also figuring out that you just really, really want to be as cool as Jeff. That's I get it. It's cool, right? You know what? When I woke up this morning, that is the first thought I had when I woke up. (laughs) Literally. How can I be? The first thought I had this morning was, I get to record podcasts with Ray tonight. And now all the listeners know that you're full of it. (laughs) full of respect and admiration for you yes there we go jeff can we do a little like like valuable conversation rather than talking about how not cool you are yeah let's do some valuable conversation so i was thinking you know why do you get to decide what we're talking all right well i'll stop thinking you go ahead it hurts when i think anyways right so you go right ahead well you're so geeky wait i really did i mean i didn't mean to interrupt you kind of like i did it on purpose but I wanted to talk about my classroom today, if we could. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why I was being so selfish. Let's talk about you. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, you're making me feel bad. Do you not want to hear about my classroom? I'm going to fix it because I love your classroom. And I haven't gotten to, to, to visit your classroom yet this year. So, yes, tell us about your classroom. I'm being serious at this point. Like, what did you want to talk about with your classroom? Are you having an issue or do you want to celebrate something or what? Oh, it's a celebration, Jeff. I have a big celebration. Ooh, good celebration. So Hold on, time out. Cue celebration. All right, I'm going to put that music in. <laughs> so, Jeff, I have a clinical student teacher from Illinois State University who taught the mini lesson all day today. I just thought that was a fun fact. Then students, obviously, like I use the grid method and teach further model. Yeah, it was a great like day, blah, blah, blah. Then we ended, which we always do, with a five to six minute reflection period where students use a tech tool called Seesaw that I may have talked about before on the podcast, and they goal set and reflect from their day. So they like talk through, did they understand what they worked on today? What are the details of what they worked on Mm -hmm. today? And then what's their goal for the future? And no joke, Jeff, that gets uploaded. Well, I should highlight. They get to choose the medium. It gets uploaded to the Seesaw platform, and it automatically alerts their parents about their student submission. So parents get a a portal, essentially, into our classroom every single day that they do math. We, we always end with this reflection goal setting. So can I interrupt you for a second just to... Well, sure, but uh, I haven't gotten to the good part. Hold, okay, but yeah, but for, for anybody who maybe is not a, um, 
familiar with Seesaw. You you said that you use Seesaw, but they get to choose the medium. Yeah, so, so Seesaw allows you to do multiple uh, variations in different different mediums, is what you're saying. Yeah, so when students create a submission, and their end kind of looks like Instagram on their side, but when they do okay. a submission, they can do a video, they can type a note, they can uh, submit a picture, they can link something, and they get to choose how they move forward with their reflection and goal setting. So choosing the medium is actually a great way for them to be more invested and take more ownership in the process. What are the options that they can do? Oh my gosh, there's six of them. Um, they can link something, like they can link a like a website or whatever. They okay. could draw a picture. They could take a picture. They could record a video. They could record an audio or they could type something. Very cool. It's very so cool. is pretty awesome. Oh, the students love it because <laughs> it's easy for them to document kind of where they're at in their learning because I am realistic, Jeff. And I know that when my students leave my classroom, they have a thousand other things they need to focus on besides math. But what mm. I love is this parent piece because the parents get a notification and they get a full update on their student's success that day. And it's a huge, like positive in my life that I have two things working together, right? I have this goal setting and reflection, which I think is so valuable for our mastery classroom. And I have immediate parent communication all through the help of this tech tool. And I have parents right. email me, no kidding, I got one today, just being like, Miss Stewart, I just want you to know how much I love Seesaw because now when my child comes home, they, I know what to talk to them about. Like we have a starting point and this is not an ad for Seesaw because it's free by the way. I, I was just going to say like, I'm going to link Seesaw, but like I'm, I, we're not an affiliate. We're not like, we don't work for them. We just, it's just a good tool. So. I think they should hire me on as their spokesperson, Jeff. <laughs> I really do. So I just wanted to highlight and celebrate that not only did I have 150 students working really hard today, cause they're awesome. But I also have my parents who are able to be updated on that process. And I just want to give a shout out to a cool tech tool and finding a purposeful part to integrate it into a classroom. Very cool. Ray, I have an idea. <laughs> that was really lame. <laughs> was that pretty lame? Well, you know what I'm going to talk about, right? Well, you're going to talk about an awesome tech conference that I do love that you're about to talk about. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about it because, you know, we, you know, we, we've, we love our friends over at IDEA, which is the Illinois Digital Educators Alliance. But uh, we've been talking about this, the, their conference, because we're super excited. We're going to be there. We're going to hang out. Right. And super excited to go. And, we, you know, we've got our conference coming up. But I think one of the things we talked about in one of the episodes a little while ago was that, like, while we love the Teach Better conference, obviously, and we want people to come, like there's also so many amazing uh, conferences out there. And so I wanted to mention, so IdeaCon used to be ICE, and that was, if I'm remembering correctly, the first conference you've ever gone to. It was the yes. legitimate, the first one I ever went to as a teacher. So can you give me like the 30 second commercial for it? <laughs> that sounds funny, but like that's... Cause it's not like a commercial we'll talk about. You know what I mean? Like give me the 30 second pitch of like what I, I've never been there. So like, what am I, what am I going to witness this, this it's in February. So like, what can I expect? 
Honestly, it's a massive conference, but it has a very intimate vibe. There's a number of different sessions going on. They're all different lengths. They always have an incredible keynote. And if I can just give a dorky shout out, there is like not a cooler vendor spot. Like I feel like every vendor for education is like hangs out at IDEA every year. And what I loved what they did last year, which I was able to do a presentation or two with them in this space, was they have like a lot of um, maker space and like areas for educators to try out furniture and just real. It was a very cool conference. You really get the full experience, not just challenging mm-hmm. you as an educator to grow, but seeing the innovative tech elements that are coming out in education that you just may not have yet in your classroom. And so I learned a ton my first year, and then I loved being back this past February. Very cool. Uh, and just a, a, so a big shout out to our our friends over at IDEA. Um, if you go to IDEAIllinois.org, you can check out all um, that awesomeness over there. Uh, and, and we kind of want to tie all this tech together because we were talking to like the the tech master, <laughs> one of the, the just an amazing tech. Um, educator who really specializes in that. Um, and that's Dr. Monica Burns. I don't think I've ever called her doctor before. Well, she is a doctor. She is a doctor. Like she's doctor of awesomeness. Uh, <laughs> I'm going for all my geeky stuff today. Doctor of awesomeness. I'm sorry, Monica, like that you're probably embarrassed to have done a podcast with me at this point. But but Monica is so cool, cool, fun little fact is that Monica was actually on episode 46 of Teach Better Talk, uh, which was awesome. So uh, you know, 60 episodes ago and we got to bring it back on and we do a cool thing later, later in the, in, in the, uh, toward the end of the episode, we actually reflect back on some of the answers that she gave then to see what matches up. And it's kind of cool. So, uh, but Monica is an ed tech and curriculum consultant. She's an author. Uh, and she was, uh, spent many, many years as a New York city public school teacher. Uh, she now travels all over the country. Uh, you know, you, she's going to talk about why she's on this episode here that she's actually down in North Carolina working with schools right now, but she travels all over supporting pre-K through, uh, through uh, high school, even through college uh, teachers. And her focus is making technology integration meaningful and sustainable. Um, she has a crazy awesome website over at classtechtips.com, um, which is a really just a great place for resources. Um, all of her books over there as well. And she has the easy ed tech podcast that uh, she started um uh, what about six months ago something like that and she talks a little bit about that and going into that uh but monica dives in it was really fun to kind of get back and, and chat with her a little bit more now that she's on been on this adventure with the the podcast she's got some cool stuff going on with books and she's traveling more than she ever has and, and doing stuff and it was really neat because you just got to see her over the summer uh present and do a keynote so it was kind of a cool thing to now get to talk to her again so um Anything you want, Ray, all of our listeners to really pay attention to, really grasp? My favorite thing about Monica is that she shares an enormous amount of content. So anything you need, she's probably published it. Go find out. And then the other (laughs) element is her insane dedication to the next steps that she communicates to teachers. It's never about Mm -hmm. fluff. It's never about some cool tech tool, but really... How are you going to go do it purposefully? And I could not agree more with her message. So go follow her on social and stay up to date on all of the amazing things she's doing. And with that, let's get into episode 106 with Monica Burns. 
Hey, what's up, podcast? It's Jeff. Don't worry. I'm going to get right back in the episode, but I want to jump in and make sure that you are aware of the 2020 idea con that's idea con it's formerly known as the ice conference in illinois uh ray talks about it all the time it was one of the first conferences she ever went to and now we're super excited she's going back every year we're going to be there this february 24th through 27 2020 at the renaissance schomburg hotel and convention center in schomburg illinois i hope that you're going to join us so this is an awesome conference whether you are a uh, technology specialist an it professional a librarian instructional coach pre-service teacher or anyone in education this is a conference that's going to offer you nationally recognized speakers and over 400 different training opportunities for you to go learn and grow. So make sure you head over to ideaillinois.org or go to the bit.ly. It's bit.ly slash IDEA con for all the information that you need, including registration, which opens up in early October. I look forward to seeing you February 24th through the 27th, 2020 at IdeaCon. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, we're here and we are talking with Monica Burns and Monica, it is awesome to have you back on the podcast. We've had you on before uh, 60 episodes ago, back in episode 46, which was a long time ago. Uh, so it's really, really cool to have you back on the podcast and excited to dive in to figure out what's gone on with you over the last 60 episodes that we've been rock and rolling here and and chat with you. And, and uh, I'm interested to actually like compare notes between like what we talked about in the last episode what we did in this one um, and kind of go back and forth. But before we get real going there, how are you feeling right now? I'm great. Thanks. Really excited to be back with you all today. Monica, I'm so excited that we got you back on here because I obviously was happy the first time we had you on, but I was able to hear you speak this summer and you're such a wonderful presenter. I just knew we had more to dive into in a podcast. I thought we'd start with our listeners kind of getting to learn all about you. I've been following you forever would you mind kind of answering maybe the cliche question of everything that you do? And I know it's a really long list. Absolutely. So I am a former classroom teacher. I taught in New York City public schools for a number of years, and I've been out of the classroom for a couple, working with teachers in lots of different ways. So spending times in schools, uh, like I am this week with teachers in North Carolina, going to regional and national events, like the way we connected this past summer, and writing and sharing about ed tech favorites, whether it's strategies or new tools or updates on my blog and on my podcast as well. Yeah. So let's, you brought it up. So let's talk about, let's talk about your podcast. Um, the podcast is easy ed tech, the, the easy ed tech podcast, right? How long have you been going with that? So I started the podcast in March of this year. So the beginning of March after kind of having some ideas swirling around for the past couple years. I had people starting to ask me, why don't you have a podcast? Or I'd rather listen than read a blog post. It's easier for me. And I love podcasts as a consumer. And so for me, making that shift just took a little bit of wrapping my head around how I wanted to share content. So it's been really fun for the past six months or so, uh, sharing content from my blog that I've either kind of revamped to make it friendly for an audio format or updated with other content that might have kind of come along the way since that blog post first went live. And then a mm -hmm. couple episodes that have new content as well. Very good. Cool. So what's, what's the format of the podcast? How does it, what, what, what can we expect? 
So I try to keep each episode under 20 minutes. I think one just okay. butted right up against that. And so I kind of jump in with strategies that have to do with one kind of big topic or umbrella, whether it's virtual reality tips when you don't have a headset or formative assessment tips if you want to try out back channels. So I go through some strategies and then I end each podcast episode with four steps to really make it easy to kind of go off and put it into action. So really trying to make sure that as much as I might introduce some big ideas, there's some really actionable tips that go along with it. Really cool. I love it. So let's 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 dive into our, our questions here. So I'm interested to see. I did not I almost did I wanted to, but I decided not to go back and listen to episode forty six mm-hmm. to like hear some of your answers to some of the questions we talked about. So I'm interested to see if they line up or if they're different or how they vary. So mm-hmm. that, I'm excited about that piece there. So you, you know this question we talk about it before, where we talk about it all the time is about failure. So can you take us to a time that you've had a, a failure or struggle that, that you had to overcome? Kind of tell us what happened, how did it make you feel? How did you overcome it? And then what did you take away from that? So I think, you know, the one big thing that comes to mind when I look back at my teaching career was not asking for help enough, especially as a new teacher. I was really lucky and I don't think I realized just how lucky right away to be in a supportive environment. So I was surrounded by teachers with a variety of experiences, you know, people who really helped me when I was, you know, hitting the wall. And I really think I could have taken advantage of that. You know, when I think about things that didn't go right or moments when I struggled with classroom management, you know, and wanted to walk out of the room, right, crying at the end of the day or feeling really overwhelmed, right? It was such a missed opportunity when I look back and think about how fortunate I was to be surrounded with folks that were so passionate, had such a variety of experiences, and really could have helped me problem solve in a way that wasn't lonely with my door closed in my classroom. I feel like that's always an educator's struggle, right? Like that is a huge moment in all of our careers. Yeah, you want to be brave enough, right? To have that brave face on, think like you've got it all together, even though you don't. And then you start to realize that everyone felt the same way in certain moments. And that that's an awesome opportunity to build community, right? For yourself in a school. Yeah, we talked about, Ray, I'm trying to remember the, the episode we talked about with, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm mad at myself for forgetting we did it live in Akron. Oh, at Chelsea. With Chelsea. Thank you. Gosh, I'm sorry, Chelsea. Um, she'll listen to this and yell at me. But uh, Chelsea talked about having, like, when she was getting started, like, just being afraid to go talk and, and build that community. And then when, when she finally did, they were all like, why didn't you come to us earlier? Right. You know, why don't you reach out? Why don't you, you know, our doors are all open, always open. So I think that's an important lesson for folks to, to, to hear and not be afraid to do that. That's awesome. So let's, let's flip it now. Let's talk about a successful moment that you've had. This can be something big, something small. But tell us what happened. Why was it a successful moment for you? And then what did you take away from that? Well, publishing my book, Tasks Before Apps with ASCD, is is definitely near the top of that list. It started out as a phrase, you know, place the tasks before apps <laughs> that I was using mm-hmm. when talking with educators and I was pulling together resources. You know, I, as many people do, right, in our ed tech space, right, am guilty of the listicle, right, the 10 apps for this or the 15 tools that can help you with this thing. And so, for me, you know, I know and I appreciate right the importance of having a robust tool belt and knowing what's out there so that you can pick and choose what's going to help solve a problem or address a need with students. You know, but that being said, right, having that gut check phrase of placing that task before the app 
being able to transfer that from casual conversations, one-on-one coaching sessions in schools, right, into something that became a resource I'm really proud of was definitely, you know, a big success on my list. You know, I have seen you do so many things and I I just love the way you speak. You're, you really focus on the tactical approach for things, which is why I was so drawn to your keynote that I was able to hear this summer. What kind of fuels your fire and keeps you going? I mean, obviously you're you're the per- go-to person in many cases for for tech support. So, how do you stay up on all these trends and how do you ensure that that you're, you know, fueled each and every day through this idea? Well, thank you, you know, for that feedback and your your kind words about the keynote, especially, you know, that was such a fun event to be a part of um, earlier this year and one of the things that really keeps me going and keeps me excited about being in this space is the fact that I get to spend a lot of time in schools and in classrooms. So even though I have you know, time where I might spend writing or prepping or doing things outside of a classroom environment, I spend a lot of time side by side with teachers and with students. So for me, right, having that opportunity to be able to share something or right, get that feedback of what other people are excited about too, you know, really keeps me going. And that's with students, you know, of all ages. This summer, I was working with elementary school students all the way up through high school students on a variety of devices, but all together thinking about, you know, how they can share something they're interested, excited about, passionate about in a way that might not have been possible for all of them without a device in front of them without some open-ended creation tools. And to be able to see that happen really keeps me going. Yeah. I mean, I know that you share so much of that, even just if you're not with you in person, but on social media, do you have a recent blog post or podcast that you've shared that you felt like had a really great tip in it that teachers were really hungry for? And, and you really felt like it was the information they needed in that moment to pursue purposeful tech integration? Well, last week I had a blog post go live called uh, Five Tips for Creating Infographics with Students. And it went out in my newsletter, you know, and other places that I share. And it's one that I'm really excited about the response for. I had someone who emailed me earlier today saying, right, this was on my to-do list. I wanted to do infographics this year, right? Thanks for making this a lot easier (laughs) for me. And so I don't get those emails every day (laughs) by any means, but that's one that's definitely front of mind. And one reason I'm so excited about it is because this idea of infographics for prepping kids to consume that content, right? To see an infographic and be able to make sense of it is something I think is important. But then giving kids opportunities to make their own is a really nice way to give them not just a, any old creation opportunity, but one that's really rooted in a new text type and something that they'll have to decipher if they come across it as a reader or a viewer. And so this idea of using infographics as a form of sharing an idea um, is one that I'm excited about and have seen some good traction on uh, the past week or so. Yeah. Is it lame to say that I love when people reach out to me after reading, whether it be like a blog or listening to the podcast or if they try something that you had some small part in encouraging them to do, it's always so fun when they reach out. And I know it takes time for people to do that, but I'm trying to make that a purposeful moment in my day of, you know, the educators that continue to influence me and my growth, like reaching out to them and, and sharing where I am in the process. Cause I just think that we get so much out of that experience too. 
Yeah. And, you know, being on both sides of that, I know that I've been putting more effort into sharing on Instagram, for example. And so because of that, I'm more cognizant of what the reception is when someone responds or shares a story in that space. So I've been really trying hard the past couple months to be more purposeful about responding to other people when I see something and don't just think it's exciting, but then I tell them, oh, I love that or what a great idea. So it's been something that I've been trying to make a commitment to as well. Absolutely. You know, Monica, I know that you travel all over the country and you do so many events where you're able to be in the classroom or also speak to educators on a stage. When you think about what educators are doing right now to strive to stay progressive and and up to speed and, and continue to do what's best for their students, what's one piece of advice that you can give a, a teacher listening um, to ensure that they're on like that track of just pursuing better? Well, from an ed tech lens, I think one thing that I really keep bringing into conversations as much as I can is this idea of big and small creation moments. You know, it doesn't have to be a book trailer or it doesn't have to be building a website that someone does uh, with their class in order to have a meaningful moment of empowering students as a creator, right? It could be recording a screencast in Seesaw or making a graphic in Spark Post or something that's more of a, a bite-sized moment. That's something that Teachers who might feel pressed for time or worried about certain curriculum goals or just are building their confidence with tech integration, if they can tackle those small moments and empower student creators at the same time, I think the benefits for what that can look like as they continue to scale uh, can really be be meaningful. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, some great advice there. So, uh, Monica, I want to jump for a minute. You touched on your uh, on one of your books, Tasks Before Apps, but you've put out quite a few books. Would you mind sort of going through the list of all these books that you've put out? You've, put out, you've done a bunch. I'm like flipping through your website. Like, well, there's a bunch of books on here. I knew there was a couple, but um, would you mind kind of give us some rundown? Like, tell us like what the, you know, give us a book title and then sort of what we could expect from it and who should go get it. Um, I really want, I think there's so much value on your on your website, which is classtechtips.com. Um, with there's so much free uh, stuff on there. Anyone who's listening needs to go over and check it out right now. But also some really powerful books on there that that they've gotten great re- reviews and a lot of great response. So just kind of want to share that a little bit. So um, we, you you touched a little bit on uh, tasks before apps. Maybe you go through like you know your forty ways and and formative tech and everything like that. Can you do that for us? Absolutely. So Formative Tech, uh, that was published with Corwin, and it's all about ways to provide meaningful, sustainable, and scalable formative assessment opportunities for students. So really thinking about how to empower students with technology tools that allow them to use their voice to show what they know, building routines that are sustainable. So whether it's, you know, you run into the building on Monday morning to get your name to get on the Chromebook cart for Thursday <laughs> afternoon, but it happens every week, right, in a routine, right? Or you're doing something at the end of every day with a group of kids you see all day so that they have a chance to do a virtual exit slip or snap a picture and respond in a different way. It shares a lot of strategies. And I have some complimentary content on my podcast that goes along with it. So in the podcast, I talk about back channels in one episode. I go through back channels in the book. So some strategies that you can 
bring into a variety of environments. And then 40 ways to inject creativity in the classroom with Adobe Spark. We've recently just announced officially today, (laughs) switched um, our publisher to work with Elevate EDU. And so we just, just uh, relaunched the book and more coming about that in the next couple of weeks. And so I've had the chance to work with the folks at Adobe Spark the past couple of years and Ben Forda, who's from Adobe. And I put this book together with activities, uh, lesson ideas that are really scalable for K-12. So we'll give some suggestions as we go, th- you know, as we go through the book, we say, this would be really great for 3-5, or this is probably a better fit for 7-12. And we go through with how to use Spark Video, the movie making tool, Spark Page, the website creation tool, and Spark Post, the graphic tool in a lot of different environments. So trying to be as cross-curricular as possible. So it's been really fun um, working on those projects to kind of go along with my kind of big theme of trying my best to share ideas and strategies for educators that make the most of all these wonderful devices uh, that we um, now have easier access to. Really cool. I, I, I think there's more books. Are there more books? There may <laughs> be more. Another book in the world. Tame, tame in the Wild text. Yeah, so Taming the Wild Text um, was written with Pam Allen, who's fantastic, and I've had the chance to work with her closely the past few years. And so that shares reading strategies along uh, with habits for readers is how we frame it. So things to help students read closely and socially, right? thinking about interacting with new text types, coming back to those infographics, um, as well as viewing different types of media. So that's one where we're really looking at how you can embed digital experiences in a reading classroom, as well as in classrooms where you're placing an emphasis on English language arts skills as well. Very cool. All right, you can get everything, all of that over at classtechtips.com. So I'll make sure everything's over in the show notes so they can check all that out. So, all right, let's have some fun. Let's, um, and this is this is another one where I'm going to be interested to see, compare your answers to episode 46 to see if anything's changed. <laughs> uh, we're going to do the next six questions. Your goal is to answer each one in 15 seconds or less. You ready to go? Absolutely, let's do it. All right, what is one ed tech tool you cannot live without? So I mentioned Adobe Spark. That's one that you know I've partnered with them for a long time, but I use it almost every day as a blogger making graphics and as an educator um, talking to teachers about ways to empower students as creators. Uh, give us a book you're reading right now. I am in the middle of listening to Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. It's been a really interesting uh, listen or interesting read about uh, supporting kind of growing minds in different ways. Very cool. Who do we need to follow on either Twitter or Instagram or social media today? Edutopia is a big one for me. I'm always really excited about the content that they put out in tech facing and just education facing in general. And another is Jen Williams, who's Jen Williams EDU on Twitter. She's done some amazing work and I'm always excited about her tweets and sharing around uh, UN and global initiatives. Very cool. What's a good YouTube channel or website or even podcast for for educators? On YouTube, I love, love, and talk about all the time the 360 content from National Geographic. They have some really great 360 videos. It's an awesome free resource. Give us a daily, weekly, or monthly routine every teacher should get into. 
I would say one big daily one is that check-in every morning with someone nearby and not the same person every day. So maybe it's someone across the hall, someone that you catch in the morning as you're checking in at the same time, but just making that purposeful moment to see what someone else is up to in your building. And what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Now, I might have shared this one last time, but my biggest one um, that I received was to get to the lunchroom and to spend lunch with everyone else. Don't lock yourself in your classroom. Uh, don't stay in there thinking that you have a long to-do list. That time is so valuable for growing as an educator. All right. You ready for the review? Oh. Back in episode 46, your, favorite, your, your ed tech tool was Google Drive. Mm-hmm. Ooh. You were reading Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, you told us to follow the hashtag everyone can create. Great one. Um, your YouTube was Ed, it was Ted Ed on YouTube. Love it. We recommended <laughs> that we needed to simplify, zero in on that one or two things and prioritize. And then your best piece of advice was eat lunch with everyone. No <sighs> way. It was obviously a good piece of advice. I like I that the others changed the advice stayed the same. That it's it's always interesting. We've only had I think. One or two people on twice, I think, Ray. Um, so it's interesting. I think Adam Welcome was one we had on twice because he came out with the new book. And uh, I think his were pretty spot on a line too. So that uh, was good. Nice work. Oh, so funny. And I stand by those other recommendations too. All things I can't live of without. Love. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just means her advice is that good that it stands the test of time, people. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Monica, I have the most important question of the night, and that is how our listeners can connect with you. And I know they had an opportunity to connect with you when they originally listened to your first interview with us. However, if we didn't convince them then, we sure absolutely have convinced them now. And I want to make sure that they not only follow you on all the social media accounts they can, but also pick up your books. So would you mind sharing how they can connect with all that content? Absolutely. So my blog uh, is classtechtips.com. And when you get there, you can find all the blog posts, podcast episodes, a page all about the books that we talked about too. So classtechtips.com. And then I am at classtechtips on all the social platforms. And I think since the last time we were here, Instagram might be a new one. It's been a little bit of a a shorter love affair on Instagram. And so I try (laughs) my best to share there uh, frequently. I was on there on Instagram stories this morning, uh, sharing a little bit about my work today in classrooms. Uh, so at Class Tech Tips and all the spots. Awesome. And you know, you can find all the links and resources and everything we've mentioned in this episode over at teachbetter.com, as well as all the really important links for connecting with Monica. Uh, so uh, make sure you head over to teachbetter.com for those links there. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and a review, we'd really, really appreciate that a whole lot. And let's continue to take this one step further. Think of just three of your colleagues who need to hear these amazing stories and just share this podcast with them. Monica, this was awesome. So glad we got, we got you back on um, and that things are still going amazingly for you. You're still out there impacting the world. I love that the podcast is a thing now and that you have a new love affair with uh, Instagram and another outlet for sharing that. So super excited uh, about that and everything going on and just really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me. And until next time, let's get out there and let's teach better. 